Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode Number 9. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. As of this recording, two Pittsburgh Steelers training camp practices to go. Dave, when you and I meet for our normal episode of the podcast on Friday, we'll be wrapping up training camp. Camp will have broken by that point, and we'll be getting ready for the Saturday preseason game against the Buffalo Bills. So, it, in some ways, it feels like the time has flown by. In some ways, it feels like it's really taken eight years to to get to this point. But there's been uh, it's been a really fun summer overall. Yeah, hallelujah uh, for sure. Because these it seems like uh, these last you know this last week is it has kind of dragged. Well, you know, thankfully we had that broken up by the uh, first preseason game, uh, second preseason game Saturday night. I imagine Tomlin will speak on Thursday. I, 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 if 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 my notes are correct here, so we should get a you know another update from him about you know possibility of who's playing and how long and maybe how mm-hmm. long the starters will play and those kind of things. So uh, starting to wind things down here for training camp. So you got two more trips out there to to uh, to lay trobe to go. And Pittsburgh's been really busy with a couple of last-minute camp transactions, basically three players exiting, three players coming in. The three players coming in are cornerbacks Lavert Hill and Neville Clark. Uh, Hill, a Michigan man, where Tomlin loves to, uh, to to pull from, a new running back, Xavier Valaday, and that will replace a couple of injured corners in Duke Dawson, who is on IR. Also, Isaiah Dunn and John Lovett. So those three out, three new players in trying to, you know, compete for a spot, hang around as long as they can the rest of the summer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. And because of the the way the running back situation is, you know, has seemed to shake out uh, really. You know, it, it, obviously it's Najee, then then Jalen Warren, and then uh, Anthony McFarlane at this point. And I think uh, we talked uh, last night on a recap podcast that uh, uh, really none of those other guys have, have 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 challenged Anthony McFarlane for that number three spot. Uh, when you talk about the true running backs on the roster, uh, can can Valaday do something in this little? I mean, there's still two preseason games left, right? I mean, sure. uh, and it would be it would be so Mike Tomlin to uh, have a yet another uh, addition to the lore of it doesn't matter how you get here, you know, you can still make the roster if you do something during the preseason. So I, I think one of the things that I'm uh, looking most about Valaday here is, you know, a, can he get much playing time in these last two preseason games when one of them's probably going to be slanted to getting, you know, the top two units uh, uh, ready? And I guess B, I mean, special teams, special teams, special teams. You know, can, can he get on any of these special teams units and 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 make an impact? Uh, going going off of, of who he is as a prospect, luckily we already had a 
uh, uh, draft profile up on him by Josh Carney because he was one of the guys that was at the uh, Shrine Bowl this year. And I think he had a, a five, what, a five, five season career in college. I think, uh, what, Arizona State and Wyoming. And uh, I think the most impressive thing, a couple of impressive things with him was uh, the balance that 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 he showed in, in you know in, on runs and the other thing that really jumped out you know as far as stat scouting if you will goes uh well uh like 41 or 42 explosive runs of 20 yards or longer and and I think that was based off something like 800 and I don't know 40 carries right around in there so a, a nice strong percentage when it, where that comes in and you know he even caught the you know had had a nice uh uh, slate of catches and explosive plays on top of it. But I mean, there's not a lot of time when it comes to him and man, uh, uh, we, we did, we hardly even knew, uh, John, uh, Oh, what's his last name? Love uh, it. Love yeah, it. We barely yeah. know his last yeah. name. Yeah. One practice for John Lovett. Yeah. I mean, why, why they held on, on to him mm-hmm. for so long. And another interesting thing about, uh, Valaday here is, you know, he, he seemed to be kind of a higher priority ad, for the Texans, because they guaranteed, you know, I think quite a bit of his salary and gave him a nice mm-hmm. signing bonus there. And I think they they really needed the roster space there uh, because they got some short lines at other positions. So uh, they waived him and and he cleared waivers because of you know the uh, the guaranteed money in that contract there. But I mean, he was he was. He was, uh, you know, basically a free agent. He could he could have decided to to sign with anybody, and apparently there were a few teams after him there. Mm. So, uh, you know, may, maybe he felt like uh, he has a, a legitimate opportunity, at, you know, as best of as there can be at this time of the offseason to make a roster. So, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, and and we know that Mike Tomlin, you know. He practices what he preaches a lot of times. It doesn't matter how you get there. If you can make an impact in, you know, these final couple of preseason games, then maybe you have a chance. Now, it will be a tall task with a guy, you know, especially the way uh, Anthony McFarlane has played uh, and, and, and practiced so far during training camp. But I, I find it to as far as late or, or you know, uh, late training camp additions go, I find this one to be a little bit intriguing. Was Valaday just waived by Houston? When was he officially released by the team? Uh, I'll have to look back here. Did that just occurred the other day. Obviously, he had to clear waivers because of the contract. As you said, no one wanting to uh, to take on all that you know additional money that Houston gave him as a as an undrafted free agent. But did this just occur with Valaday getting waived? Uh, I'm trying to, I don't have, I'm not logged into the NFL site. It's going to take me just okay. a minute here, but you can vamp on it here. Yeah, I mean, there's a shot, and I know that it's late in camp, but I just pulled up some dates here. Ray Ray McLeod, who made the team in 2020, got signed on August 21st, and so that's later than Valde being signed. Zach Banner was signed August 12th, 2018, and so these guys were mid to, to late camp ads that you know did enough to play their way onto the 53-man roster. And Banner, by the way, trying to get back in the NFL, he just had a workout with the New York Jets, so good on him for that. And Wish him the best, but yeah, with that number three spot, I mean, McFarland has had a good summer, but not knowing what else he can provide besides being a runner and kind of you know, emergency kick returner, you know, in terms of special teams, he had just that one snap in the opener that was a kick return that was, you know, went for a touchback. So, you know, is there an opportunity there or even for at least practice squad? You got to think about that. If you're, if you're Valde to hang around on a practice squad, maybe get called up, somebody gets hurt. There's going to be options there for him. 
Yeah, he was uh, waived. It looks like on the thirteenth by uh, by Houston. Okay, and I I just ask that because I imagine Pittsburgh's plan was to just let John Lovett get healthy and come back. But then once Valaday became available, they probably jumped at the chance and said, "Hey, right. we got a chance to get this guy. We like him." So because Lovett was getting healthier, he was getting kind of close to a return. So I think Pittsburgh decided to you know they really actually wanted to make a move for Valaday specifically, not just hey we need an extra running back here. Yeah, it feels like they said, well, there's a chance to upgrade right there. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's, and look, you know, two weeks from now, we might not even <laughs> remember, <laughs> sure. you know, who, who he is. But, uh, once again, when it, uh, uh, based on, 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 you know, what you've reported so far in training camp and, and, and the way this, uh, running back depth chart has, 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 has shaken out to this point here, uh, <laughs> he's got as good a chance as, as, as the rest of them at this point. Right. And then with the corners, Hill and Clark don't believe either have appeared in a in a game yet, but Clark's got some size. So profile is probably a bit more as a slot type. So you could say that Clark kind of replaces more of what Isaiah Dunn was doing for the team and Hill probably a bit more what Duke Dawson was providing us that, you know, essentially third team slot corner. So I don't believe either practiced in team yesterday, but I'm sure they'll probably be out there today. All right. And I don't know a lot about either one of those two. All right, let's talk about injuries. Just give an injury recap and roundup, kind of focusing more on the players not practicing on Tuesday. That was linebacker Nick Kukowski, safety Trey Norwood, uh, offensive guard slash center Nate Herbig, Larry Ogunjobi still has a boot on his right foot. Marcus Golden might have been minor, might have been a day off. Either way, I'm not too concerned about that. Norwood is making his way back with Towski. I don't know if he'll be back over these next two days, but probably should, I think, maybe play in the preseason finale. Herbig, we'll see. He looked okay. And I know that Tomlin said that Ogunjobi's making pr- progress, but with that boot, you do kind of have an antenna go up and want to keep an eye on that. Yeah, if if I had to guess right now, Ogunjobi's probably not going to play in this second preseason game. I would have to think Trey Norwood has to get on the field here pretty quickly in these next couple of days to make it. Kwiatkowski and that shoulder hard, really hard to tell about that, but he's not, I mean, all he's doing is walking around the field at this point, right? With Norwood? Not Kwiatkowski. Oh, Kwiatkowski. Yeah. Um, he's just been doing some light walking yesterday. We'll see on that. I don't think it's incredibly serious, but you know, he's still going to probably be out a couple more days. I mean, needless to say, by the time we get to game time, once again, uh, there, there's probably going to be a good 10 or 12 that don't play in this game for whatever reason. Yeah, we'll have to see for sure. Um, good news. Some guys that were starting to come back. Keanu Neal practiced in full. Joey Porter Jr., his reps were a bit managed during team period, but he did return. And I would you know, essentially classify him as full, maybe like you know, 75% full in terms of the team reps. Keanu Benton with that ankle injury suffered in the preseason opener. He was in full pads, went through individual work, did not practice in team, but I think he's got a you know pretty good chance to play in this game against Buffalo. So it's good news on the rookies and the safety group is looking a lot healthier. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we're kind of related to Herbig there. Don't know if he's going to, uh, Nate Herbig, don't know if he's going to, to play, but, uh, uh, I guess kind of one, one of the more significant storylines to come out of, uh, Tuesday's training camp practice was we finally seeing Spencer Anderson get work at center, right? Yeah, he got quite a bit of snaps at center. Some good, some bad. The snaps themselves, from what I could tell, were clean. No, nothing that was over the head or low or anything like that. There was one miscommunication that led to you know Anderson not moving while the other 
players around him all moved. And so that was kind of one of those rookie moments there. But that was the last spot we had yet to see Anderson get reps at during camp. Of course, he did it a couple hundred snaps at Maryland. So it's not brand new to him, but new to him probably in this environment. So the more that you can do, the more value that you have helps his cause and the Steelers, as Mike Tomlin said after yesterday's practice. So I imagine he'll continue to get a look there until her big returns. Right. And this is something that we wondered whether or not that would happen during camp. But at this point right now, this is this. I mean, what I'm getting at is he doesn't legitimately have a shot to be the backup center, right? I wouldn't think so. I'm still in the camp. It's going to be her big unless they went outside and brought in a more, you know, veteran type of guy and that name. I don't know who that might be but I'm still betting on of the internal candidates, it being Nate Herbig. Right. I I would agree. It feels like Herbig or an outsider at this point, but uh, this is an opportunity for, for Anderson to uh, show even more, more position flexibility and uh, you know, an additional shot to maybe make the 53. Sure. If you can be that, let's call it eighth offensive lineman on game day who can line up anywhere. If something you know goes terribly wrong where you're the you know fourth string tackle, you're the third string center, you're the, you know, third string guard, because let's just say hypothetically, Nate Herbig's the backup. Mason Cole goes down week one. Well, now that you, if you need another guard, somebody else goes down at left guard or right guard, you know, Herbig can't play that spot because he's at center replacing Cole. And so, you know, de facto makes Anderson the backup guard. And so there's a lot of value there to a guy that you can, you know, put it at all five spots and get you through a game. And I think uh, you you said uh, earlier in the week that Anderson uh, some some left tackle uh, uh, snaps since the game. So it'll be I you know I, something to watch when we get into uh, uh, Saturday night. Here is after he played right tackle, right guard, and left guard in that game against Tampa Bay. Will it be something like left tackle? Mm-hmm. Uh, and center, maybe, you right. know? Sure. I think that's that makes a lot of sense. I imagine they want to work him at all five spots. You know, if you're going to practice practice him at all five, and, you know, you, you don't want his first NFL snaps to be in a regular season game at one particular position. You want him to run through all these snaps in the preseason just so there's some level of comfort. Not that there's going to be a ton of it, but there's something there before you had to step into a, a regular season outing. So and this is a guy that I think is making a real portion and again we focus a lot on the versatility and that's important but the the quality of the play has been i think pretty good as well in terms of his athleticism finishing reps really good feet really good athlete to seal the edge um probably not the strongest and his run blocking is not that you know super aggressive mauling where herbig is kind of more that dude but i think technically speaking the guy's in a pretty good place and you throw that on top of you know him being able to play all five spots that creates a ton of value I I would certainly agree. All right, what what what's maybe another uh, big storyline to come out of uh, uh, camp practice on you know as we head into Wednesday here? I wouldn't call it a big storyline. I meant to mention it during our you know special edition camp recap episode last night, but I was watching Alex Highsmith in the O line D line drill, and sometimes you know. Focusing solely on wins and losses can be a little tricky because a the drills a little messy with the quarterback and you're not really sure, you know, if, if he would move and slide. And of course, it's one V one. But sometimes these guys test moves, you know, Kim Hayward's working on a spin move. You're not going to see too many of those from him, him in the regular season. He hasn't done it before, but I think sometimes you just kind of, you know, give your guy a different look and you try something different just to kind of see how it feels. I say that to say 
I was watching Alex Highsmith, and he's testing some different moves, and he's going to stand more in 1v1s, and they know each other really well. And I'm pretty sure I saw it, and, and maybe this was my eyes deceiving me, or maybe Highsmith didn't do this intentionally, but I saw, you know how Highsmith's move is that inside spin. He loves the inside spin. He's so good at it. He gave Dan Moore, to my eyes, a fake inside spin. The old DeMarcus Ware half spin inside and then spin back out. And more, more to his credit, mirrored it and, and, and you know, quote unquote, won the rep. But I saw that from Highsmith because my whole question with him after this season, this past season was, how do you build off the inside spin? Because tackles began to sit on that late in the year. I think Highsmith didn't win on his final six inside spin attempts to end the 2022 season. And so how do you build upon that? And I've seen Highsmith work on it, a true outside spin. And even this fake spin. And if I I, I want to see if he uses it, uses it in the game, because I think that could be a secret weapon to try to build off of that really potent inside spin. Yeah. Especially look, if you can, if you can fake that, you know, fake that spin, keep good balance and get the tackle off balance and then club them or something, you know, uh, is that what you, what'd you see as he comes out of that back out of that, uh, fake spin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I don't you know if he was any, clubbing any type, type of club or just, you know, an, kind of an arm rip or what? No, you're just trying to bend the corner because his calculation is, you know, let's say it's third and seven money down tackles expecting, or at least, you know, anticipating the potential of the inside spin. You fake that the tackle's going to slide down part of the inside. You come back outside. If you can do it, it's hard to do. But if you can do it, you're going to beat that tackle to the edge because he's, he's anticipating the inside move so heavily. So, um, you know, I don't know if we're going to see it in a game. I doubt he, I doubt he'll do it in the preseason because I don't know if he wants to put that on tape. And he probably will, does not like me saying this right now. But I, I, I just want to file that one away because I right. may be talking about week one, week seven, week 14 about the Alex Highsmith at least trying this, you know, unusual fake inside spin. But I just it's it's very it's fun to watch him work because this guy is a really nuanced pass rusher with his pass rush plane. He's a really smart pass rusher and he has a ton of different moves. And to see him as he progresses and gets better and as offenses realize this guy's a pretty good pass rusher, 14 and a half sacks last year, they begin to really game plan for him specifically. So it's that chess match of Okay, I had the inside spin. It worked. Now that's being countered against me and stopped. How do I build off of that? And to watch Highsmith kind of, you know, tool around and try different things this summer has been a lot of fun. I tell you another thing that stuck out on 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 the All Twenty Two as well too. Going back through it and and watching uh, Herb uh, Nick Herbig specifically, he he's not afraid to try er any and everything that he's been learning. I think. Yeah, again, he's like Watt. He's like Highsmith, where there's a ton of different moves. I mean, this guy's got rips. He loves the cross chop. I don't love the cross chop that much, personally. I know that means nothing, you know, coming from man sitting in front of his computer compared to, you know, NFL outside linebacker. But I don't necessarily love the cross chop, but I think it works for him better than most guys that I've seen try it. I mean, he's got, you know, ghost and speed and uh, inside spin. And this guy's, yeah, you know, he's got a lot of tools there. Yeah, uh, he it just it really looks like he's trying to put a lot of those things to use, even in those limited snaps that he got uh, the other night. All right, well, if it happens, uh, and boy, I hope they keep this uh, uh, giving us this uh, uh, dual end zone look of uh, on the all twenty two. How how great is that? I mean, that's like mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's like monumental to get both. Normally you see that show up sometimes in some of the college all 22. And yeah, I know teams get probably both end zone angles uh, of that on the all 22, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time that we've really had uh, dual Mm -hmm. uh, end zone, all 22 looks on, on NFL games here. Correct. Usually it's just one end zone view. And so sometimes you might not get the best angle, but this, uh, this year we're getting both views. So you always get the best angle possible. So yeah, we've gotten, do do, do we have the bears, uh, you know, secret good all 22 tape. Is that, is that uh, available right now? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I haven't even looked because the the previous angles that they've been using were absolutely awful. There's a secret copy out there, I think, that the team was using that was huh. like a good angle. And I want to say that's available now, but I don't I don't know for sure. But huh. yeah, there is there is a secret Bears all 22 out there. Uh, let's see. The, the Steelers don't play the Bears this year, but I mean, uh, but we'll, we'll probably because of who they do play, we'll probably yeah, be scouting. Ha- ha- yeah, scouting some some of that tape there. Anyway. All right. What else do we have here, Dave? Uh, Kenny Pickett won the Steelers training camp home run derby for the second year in a row. So he's two for two in his NFL career. I know that's kind of silly, but it's it's a fun team bonding thing. And th- those are things you can do that you can't do if you're you know practicing at your team facility and everybody goes home every day. You know, the things that Latrobe offers, that's why Mike Tomlin loves it, those opportunities to you know, work and, and focus on football, but then have some of these fun moments after practice. And that kind of makes camp pretty special. All he does is win, win, win. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that continues come yeah. the fall. Anything else here, Dave? Uh, any other review of the All-22 from this game? Any kind of final thoughts as you might come back through that, that stuck out to you? I just based off of uh, uh, working off of something that Mike Tomlin had to say about uh, Armand Watts uh, yesterday after practice and all like that, uh, I, I wanted to go back and look. Uh, I didn't realize that he had two quarterback hits uh, in, 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 in that game Friday night there. So I went back and, and snuck a peek at, uh, a couple of those. And one of those actually came on the, uh, on the interception, uh, that, that trashed through to who was it? Trenton, uh, 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 Thompson, Tom, yeah. Thompson, uh, there. And the other one, uh, it was incomplete to, I think a tight end kind of on a, on a, on a, uh, middle of the field kind of over route there that, uh, uh, looked like the guard was the left guard was pulling out and the center was asked to try to cut Watts off and he couldn't and and Watts got in there and, and got a quarterback hit on that. So that was just something that I jumped back in uh, this morning to look at because I didn't necessarily remember uh, the couple of hits there. So, I mean, he's he's quietly put putting together a, a nice camp, right? Watts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a really good day yesterday in 1v1 against James Daniels. Had a couple of quality wins there with a couple of swipes to to knock Daniels' hands down. Yeah, he's gotten a lot of work. Um, he's played left defensive end primarily. A lot of Moke's been, you know, opposite right defensive end. So on a day yesterday where Ogan Joby's not working, uh, you know, Watts got a lot of first team reps. And like I said, that D-line battle, that competition has been really intense, really tight. I don't I don't know who's going to be on my final 53. It's probably going to be among the most difficult decisions I'll have to make. And I just kind of keep repeating the phrase of some tough cuts there. Unless an injury occurs, if everybody stays healthy, and hopefully they they do, again, I think you got eight guys making legitimate cases for probably seven spots on the 53. Yeah, I agree. That is going to be a tough decision, and especially to see you know how many, if indeed they keep seven, you know. I think they almost have to. If you keep six, I mean, I think you're cutting you know two quality players. I mean, the question is, do you keep... Would you be open to keeping the three nose tackles of Adams, Benton, and 
Fahoko, I know that you know that seems heavy, but Adams that, that, can play sub package. It seems sub package. It seems heavy. It it it, it really does. And so who's odd man out? I I don't. I'm I'm still thinking it might be Montrevious Adams. Okay, it's possible. I think he's had a good camp though. I mean, you you just cut a you know talented player like that. I mean, could you trade him? I don't, is that you know we talked yeah. the other day about? Uh, yeah, that's true. How, how many of these guys? Obviously, you wouldn't get a lot for them, but could you get like a seventh round? You know, pick for him. Yeah, I, I think you know. I know that Dotson's the obvious name here. Um, I, 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 I keep forgetting. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But I think with the defensive line, there might be a, a trade piece there, just because there is so much talent that I could see some team that loses a guy might come calling. Okay. Uh, I did want to make the point on Kevin Dotson. I think he's. I think I, I know that you know Mike Tomlin has downplayed it, but I think he's got a right shoulder issue. He's been battling it. He's got a big wrap on his shoulder. I think he kind of. You could see him at the end of yesterday's practice. He was wincing and. I think favoring the other shoulder a bit. So I think Dotson's been playing through something uh, this summer. All right. Well, that's something to pay attention to moving forward. Yeah. I mean, he's been practicing every day, but he's, he's always got that shoulder wrapped up. You know, I had that one report, I don't know, a week ago where he, you know, we came off with a trainer and got that shoulder all wrapped up and he came back in and finished, but I think he's battling something there, but that's not a guy that can probably miss too much time because he's trying to compete for a spot and a job and, you know, maybe somewhere else as well. All right. Uh, Dave, I, I teased this yesterday in our special edition episode, and I want to be a bit careful here because I know that the discourse <laughs> on Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris can be pretty intense, and I'm a fan of Najee Harris probably more than a lot of Steelers Nation. I think he's going to have a good year. I'm excited about both him and Jalen Warren, but I posed a question to you, and I've been thinking about it some more myself last night and this morning. What does Najee Harris do better than Jalen Warren. So I'm going to let you answer that first with, with whatever thoughts that you have, and then I'll chime in. Well, I feel like you set me up here to a either, <laughs> uh, hop back on my, uh, fungible running back, uh, platform. No, no, no. Or, or get, get myself in, 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 in trouble with the listeners, uh, as a known Najee hater, which I'm not, I mean, I I've said several times, I like the player. I just didn't necessarily like, uh, where he was drafted overall, because I'm not a fan of, of 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 running backs in the first round, because I do feel that you can uh, mix and match and 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 you know out of the fungibility of the position, get what you need in a backfield by having uh, three running backs. And I think Jalen Warren is a testament to the fact that you can find these guys if you if you if you go through enough of them. Now now a lot of them might not be. Uh, as all purpose, meaning they could play on every down and, and give you good pass protection and all like that. Uh, I've thought more about the question that you, that, that, that you asked last night, knowing that we were going to talk about it today. Uh, Najee running with power and the ability to use that stiff arm and all like mm. that. I, I think okay. that is definitely something when he gets into a, one-on-one -on -one situation uh, specifically outside the tackles. I don't know that we've seen Jalen Warren do that yet. Uh, and, and, and probably won't because I mean, Najee's a big dude, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and he, and, and he is a very powerful dude, uh, on top of it. So that would be one thing that, that, that comes to mind. Cause we've already seen like, I don't know, a good six or seven instances. I think of Najee, doing that out on outside the tackles, right? 
Sure. Yeah, I think specific to the stiff arm, that is his calling card much better than Warren can. In terms of overall power, though, I know it's a little tough to compare because they're different body types, but who do you think is the more powerful runner? Because Warren is obviously a powerful runner. Like he's downhill. He's a just a bowling ball with arms. You know, that that's Jalen Warren. So if you had to say who was a who was a more powerful force, who is that guy? I think yards after contact, they they probably are about probably I'd have to look up the, the actual statistics on this, but it feel the tape feels like they're pretty much the same guy yards after contact. However, I would probably venture to say that behind the line of scrimmage, Najee's probably better yards after contact. Okay. I think maybe between the tackles, Warren might have an advantage, and maybe that's because he's a little more north-south than Najee typically is. I think maybe in open field opportunities, you kind of get that more from Harris when he's going against some smaller DBs, and he can really use his size and frame to to make some guys miss or be able to, to at least run through some players, but... I mean, I think generally speaking, power-wise, they're both, you know, prototype uh, and archetype power-type backs. Uh, as far as pass protection, <laughs> uh, I might have to give the nod to to, to, to Warren as far mm-hmm. as the consistency goes at this point. Uh, as far as ability to... They're both fine catching the football. I think Warren gives you a little bit more after the catch than Warren. And as far as explosive play ability, I think Warren gives you a little bit more of that. Yeah, because I think it's just a bit more put your foot in the ground, get downhill. So to answer my question in terms of the things I think that Najee does better than Warren, and these are just kind of, you know, not necessarily big picture things but just uh, specific traits a this is an obvious one hurdling i mean harris is a tremendous hurdler ability to, to, to jump some of these guys obviously warren has never i don't think even attempted to do that and i do think harris on more vertical downfield plays he's a better receiver than warren i think warren's good in the flat for the checkdowns it's kind of the simplified running back tree i think if you did have more of an advanced route you think about the ravens game last year that was you know kind of extended play but you know harris running down the sideline i think he can make those plays better than jalen warren can at least we haven't seen a lot of that from warren to even probably evaluate that but just based on the tape so far harris has been more proven in that regard now i tell you if given the if if forced to pick I wouldn't say given an opportunity because it wouldn't be an opportunity for a 55 year old broken down person like myself, but (laughs) (laughs) they're going to call you up replacing validate. Uh, It's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly call it an opportunity, Bob. Uh, (laughs) But uh, uh, if, if forced to choose of which guy I would uh, 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 attempt to tackle out in space, I'd much rather take my chances with Jalen Warren than, than I would with Najee, I think. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I think. Just because I'm, I'm probably not too far off of the height, you know, the the overall build more than than, than, than a Jalen Warren. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Najee, Najee would just truck my ass, you know. Sure, that's why I said earlier. Well, they both, they both would they truck would, me, yeah. but uh, I, I would I would I'd much rather take my chances, I think, uh, tack on a guy like Jalen Warren uh, out in space more so than Najee, if that makes sense. Both would you know, Adrian Peterson, William Gay, you, I mean, you'd be on the ground either way, but I get your point. And I think, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I think Harris out in space, that size on some smaller DBs, corners and some smaller safeties has an advantage there. 
Uh, but other than that, I mean, you know, I, I think it's really close. I mean, in terms of, you know, lateral quickness and change of direction, I think Warren has the edge in terms of that downhill kind of explosive type runner that can probably get some bigger plays. I think Warren's there. I thought Harris, you know, initially his rookie season was excellent in pass protection. I think it's kind of fallen off from there and you've seen Warren become the third down back. So again, none of this is to, to be knocks against Najee. I know it kind of sounds that way. I, I like Najee Harris a lot. I think it's going to be a really good year for him, but I just had that question in my head and I think Warren is, you know, had a you know, good summer and um, is, a, is a really talented back. I think your main, I think the, the, the main takeaway here is, and, and it kind of goes back to, I think you've said it a couple of times uh, uh, heading into training camp, maybe since training camp open is, is the fact that uh, there's no reason not to get Jalen Warren on the field a little bit more in 2023. And look, if you want to extend, uh, because I mean, Najee, even though, you know, he had a, a decrease in touches last year and yeah, the first part of, of last season, he wasn't healthy with the foot and all like that. And, and, and didn't have nearly the, the same amount of touches that he had during his rookie season. Uh, you, 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 you probably want to try to, limit you know his try to keep a cap on his snap totals in games as much as possible uh, with the idea that hopefully maybe in some of these games these close games that you're in you can actually run the football and have a fresh Najee out there punishing some some secondaries on top of it there so I mean I think that's your main takeaway right is that Warren deserves more playing time in 2023 yeah I mean I didn't necessarily even have a takeaway thought or consideration here, just kind of thinking out loud discussion about just players on the roster and, you know, who does what well and who's better in this area. Um, and, and I understand this is going to come with a lot of probably negative connotation towards Najee Harris. It's truly not my intent. I just had this thought in my head the other day and wanted to, to talk it out with you. But yeah, I mean, more. Well, well I mean, let, the- let's put it out there it, it, because mm-hmm. of uh, uh, who's the 93 seven that, uh, I think Filipponi, I think. Yeah, Filipponi uh, put out there, I think, on, on Twitter that uh, some to the effect that uh, Jalen Warren will be the starting running back by, what I don't know, what do you say, October? And Halloween, or, I think. Or Halloween or something like that there. Now, look, uh, uh, I... I you know, barring injury, I don't. I, I I certainly don't see that that happening there. But uh, he would have been better off making the point, you know, and it would be, be just as as controversial, maybe, maybe not to that degree, but saying flat out saying that Jalen Warren just deserves more, more playing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I'll get it. I mean, like I said, Warren will be the third down back this year. And I want to see how the, the early down rotation goes. I mean, Harris will be the the starter. How much does Warren chip in? Does it increase over the season? I'm not quite sure, but I want to see how they handle the first and second down duties between those two guys. Look, I mean, uh, he, uh, if they lost Najee for whatever reason, they it feels like they could get by with Warren. Oh yeah, more than get by. I think they would be very successful with him. The question would just be, can they find you know a guy to maybe give Warren a breather every now and then? So how does this play back to fungibility? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand your point for sure. I mean, again, I mean, in terms of the draft pick, you know, the draft was years ago. You know, the pick, the pick is the pick. You can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. You have the guys you have and. Again, I think Harris is a talented player, but he's not a bust. He's you know a good athlete, a good running back, and so I'm I'm not mad at the pick overall. But sure, I mean, you see Jalen Warren's story as an undrafted guy, twelve thousand dollars signing bonus in 
I think he's, you know, talent, uh, talent wise, almost right up there with Najee Harris. And yeah, and here's a struggle that, that, you know, every team in the NFL, you know, faces is, is, when, when it comes to running backs, can they find, do they have to mix and match in, 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 in certain situations? In other words, well, you know, this, this, this guy can run and, 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 uh, you know, run and catch and all like that, but man, we can't have him out there in obvious passing situations. Cause he, he just can't pass protect, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but at least in a guy in, in, in Warren, I think to this point is that, is that he he's proven enough that he can function in, in all aspects. He can play on every down. Including fourth down. The dude's been a really quality special teamer. And I don't know how many reps he's going to get there this year. Hopefully not as many as last season, but he's out there in the third quarter, of that preseason opener as the up back mixing up with dudes and knocking them down and just kind of jawing with guys. And that's, that's the Jalen Warren mentality. So yeah, I uh, just wanted to talk that out loud. I think you got two talented running backs on your roster. It's a it's a good situation to have, and Pittsburgh's offense should be better off because of it. Yeah, I agree. All right, Dave, you wanted to talk about something today. I don't know what direction you're going in, so feel free to, to hit me something about a magic number with Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and this comes via a very fine article that uh, Scott uh, Kaxmar did. Uh you know, he's, he does work all over the internet and does a lot of stuff for pro football reference and, 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 and stat, uh, what's the name? Stat head and all mm-hmm. like that. And he's very, very stats generated, uh, individual. Now he does also watch his fair share of tape as well, too. Uh, I think he does phenomenal work on, uh, uh, on a lot of, uh, his, his long form pieces, if you will. And he had a very, uh, interesting post on three for 365scores.com. Once again, he freelances all over the place here. And this uh, post that he did, the, the most interesting aspect was uh, what year's area of interest uh, will Kenny Pickett overcome his coaching to have a breakout year and more specifically uh, a second year jump for him. And uh, he, he narrows it down to one of my favorite stats, adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat and, and, and went back and researched NFL quarterbacks to improve, uh, by 2.0, uh, positive 2.0 in adjusted net yards for passing attempt in their second season since 1960. I mm. mean, I this had me all lathered up. Uh, <laughs> Need a cold shower right now? Yeah, there? I all mean, right. you want to talk about the you know, research that gets me excited. Uh, uh, this certainly does. Uh, he says, uh, we mentioned 12 quarterbacks had made this jump in adjusted net yards for passing attempt in their second season. The following chart shows those 12 quarterbacks. Uh, here's the list, Alex. Jared Goff from 2016 to 2017 went from 2.82 to 7.72. Now, another hmm. interesting aspect about this is he shows any coaching change that was made and any new weapons uh, that 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 the quarterback received, and obviously uh, two sixteen to seventeen, they added uh, McVay and 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 Matt Lafleur had new mm. weapons of uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins. Uh, here here's a list: list uh, Jared Goff, Nick Foles, Josh Freeman. Remember Josh Freeman? Uh, Steve DeBerg was a little bit before your time, seventy eight, uh, seventy nine. But he do did have a new head coach in Bill Walsh. Seattle. 
Was that Seattle? Uh, that was San Francisco. Oh, with Walsh. Okay, yeah. Right. But he went on to play for, I think, a couple teams, Kansas City. Uh, Norm Sneed. Man, you want to talk about research. 1961 yeah. to that? 1962, Washington. Uh, Norm Sneed. Jack Trudeau, uh, old Colts quarterback, 86 to 87. Donovan McNabb in 1999 mm. to 2000. And catch this. Uh he went from a 2.41 adjusted net yards for passing attempt all the way up to a 4.79. <laughs> Scorching. Uh, yeah, uh, but I mean, he did he did qualify for that 2.0 sure. jump there? Carson Wentz in 2016 to 2017, uh, nice jump from 5.09 to 7.43. No head coach. Uh, 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 but was added uh, Alshon Jeffrey and LeGarrette Blount, where he adds Blake Bortles, 2014 and 2015. They they added uh, O.C. Greg Olson and a few uh, weapons there, uh, T.J. Yeldon, Julius Thomas, and wide receivers Allen Her- uh, Allen Robinson and 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 Allen Hearns. Remember that was the year they signed both those wide receivers to those those deals in Allen Robinson and uh, and 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 Allen Hearns. Peyton Manning. Mm. Uh, 80, 1998 to 1999. This was just Peyton Manning making the jump, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 no new head coach, but uh, and and added uh, Edger and James uh, in the backfield. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, perhaps you heard of him. Uh, okay. Point, 70 to 71. And once again, the game's, you know, I... Some of these are significant, but they're not significant because of how the, you know, obviously the evolution of the passing game and the game in general and all like that. But 70 and 71, he went from a 0.86 (laughs) adjusted (laughs) net yards for passing attempt number to a 3.06 there. Uh, And then really, I think the most recent one here of these 12 quarterbacks, uh, 2021 to 2022, Trevor Lawrence. I was assuming he was going to be on that list because I've had uh, a lot of comps to pick at the hopefully becoming that taking that Lawrence jump. Right. 4.54 to 6.66. Obviously, he got added uh, Doug Peterson and mm-hmm. uh, what Press Taylor, I think, OC. And then they mm-hmm. added Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, uh, Travis in ATN came back. Yeah. Came back from IR after his rookie season there. Not. Not a huge list, you know, but uh, he goes on to say here, uh, which I really liked in this article, uh, uh, you know, he does, he does say that, you know, there, there, there is the, uh, because of how things have gone with Matt, Matt Canada, Canada so far as OC, uh, an obvious scapegoat that, you know, uh, some of this is going to be tied to Matt Canada, whether or not he makes the jump there. But uh, Pickett's uh, Justin Net Yards for passing attempt number was, and I'm I'm re- meant to research. I meant to research this last night. Uh, but he does have here that uh, Pickett had an average 4.70 adjusted NEA, which ranked 31st out of. 33 quarterbacks. Uh, if he shot up to 6.7, remember me throwing out that numbers like 6.5 to 6.7 mm-hmm. or where I'd like to see uh, Kenny Pickett have the adjusted net yards for passing attempt number uh, this year. Well, it, it would be a full 2.0 jump if he hit 6.70 uh, here. And uh, uh, if he shot up to 6.70, Scott writes here that Pickett would have ranked number eight 
between Joe Burrow at 6.76 and Trevor Lawrence at 6.66, two quarterbacks thought to have arrived and figure to be in Pickett's way in this AFC for, for years to come uh, here. So uh, I, I, I'm buying everything that Scott sells in, in, in this article. First and foremost, it's rare to see a second-year quarterback, regardless of really the era, you know, uh, jump up, make this 2.0 uh, jump. I do feel, and and if you go back once again, and this is the part that 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 I should have had more prepared. I, I've got it somewhere, but I I think in that from just throwing out the Saints game on after the bye, I think Pickett was up over six. Uh, I forget mm-hmm. the I forget the number. I want to say it was like six point five or or four or something like that in those games with his adjusted net yards from passing attempt number. So there was some evolution in it. Now look, keeping your interceptions down obviously plays a big part in adjusting net yards for passing attempt and also keeping your sacks down. And the reason you have to throw out that Saints game is because he was sacked like six times, I think, in that game. And and once again, the adjusted net yards for passing attempt number goes off of attempts, completion, passing yards, passing touchdowns, interceptions, uh, and, and and sacks and sack sack yards. That's how that 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 number's formed around there. I, I still I I you know until another stat comes along, I think that 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 stat is a, a great, great measuring tool. And this kind of goes back to kind of what I've said where I think would be a good measuring stick with him. If Pickett can come out, especially in these first six game, five, six games of the season, and if that adjusted net yards passing per attempt number can be 6.5 or greater, really on a game-to-game basis or, or, or an aggregate overall here, uh, I mean, you, obviously, you don't want to see you jump up to, you know, nine in one game and the rest be, you know, offset it there. But if he can do that, and if if this defense can play and keep their adjusted net yards for passing attempt number down, I mean, I think they're going to be in a lot of ball games here. But I really view, and and that's why I kind of told you that this is kind of a magic number, if you will, for for mm-hmm. Ken, Kenny Pickett. I'm looking for this number uh, this this year to be 6.5 to 6.7, and if it's better than that, even more fantastic. They're, they're going to win some games if it if it comes in uh, higher than that. But I really think that we need to track his hit his stat in the adjusted net yards for passing attempt number, and look for it. A, a good jump to be in the 6.5 to 6.7 area. If he does that. You know, and that defense plays the way you know, a lot of people expect it should. They're going to be in a lot of ball games this year. Now, the 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 wild card in all of this is, is is the Matt Cannon and all like that. And and Scott goes out of his way to mention that you know, in most situations, with what we've seen out of Matt Canada so far, he'd be gone out of all the, all these other organizations mm-hmm. by by now. So. The Steelers are really showing great patience with him. A lot of that is probably tied to the fact that they don't want Kenny to have to jump from offensive coordinator yeah. to offensive coordinator in 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 just his second season here. There's a there seems to as much as the fan base hates Matt Canada, I think Kenny Pickett's on board with him to this point. If it, it sounds like they're going to give Kenny a little bit more 
uh, freedom as the stuff that he wants to do and, and things that he wants to do here. But uh, my main takeaway as we get closer to, to the start of this season is really what it's been and what I've talked about, you know, leading up to this season here uh, is can he hit that 6.5 and six to, to 6.7 or even greater number? And if he does, you know, look, if they, regardless, if he hits it, if this team gets into the playoffs and doesn't win a playoff game or not putting up points, you know, a nice, uh, a nice increase of three to four or more points per game on average, Matt Canada's, you're not going to have to worry about it because Matt Canada is going to be gone. But is there enough there, you know, statistically, matched with tape to show, hey, we have our guy here. I know we'll be tracking that number. I know you as as closely as anybody. The question is, what level of confidence do you have that he can get there based off of what this study has to say? What are your takeaways just from these these 12 names? My initial thought is there's a fair amount of number you know, of the of the 12 most of them are recent names or relatively recent over the last 10 to 15 years. There's a couple exceptions, Bradshaw and DeBerg. And who was that one quarterback you named? I never even heard of before. Yeah, Norm Sneed, Jack Norm Trudeau. Sneed. Uh, uh, let's see. I'll, I'll roll through the names one last time. Jared Goff, Nick Foles, Josh Freeman, Steve DeBerg, Norm Sneed, Jack Trudeau, Donovan McNabb, Carson Wentz, Blake Bortles, Peyton Manning, Terry Bradshaw, and Trevor Lawrence. I think Manning needs to be thrown out just for the sheer fact that this yeah. is a guy that finally, I mean, the the light came on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with him. You know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, definitely a Hall of Famer and a guy that, you know, uh, just the, the talent was probably going to come out there, you know. And sure. it, But as far as the recent guys here, I mean, you're looking at Lawrence, uh, Goff, uh, Foles. I mean, there was a time there you thinking that man can, can Foles can Foles be 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 a guy, you know? Well, that was a thought with Wentz too. Remember yeah. one of those one of those years in the NFL top one hundred, he was the third best player in the NFL. It was only like five years ago. I mean, it's been I, I almost don't believe that happened, but but I know that it did. Of the recent names, how many of them had the jump without a coordinator or coaching change? Lawrence obviously is not one of them. He going from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson's a big change there. You said Goff had a coaching change too when McVay came in, right? Uh, you want to talk what, like last ten years or so? Yeah, have the cutoff being at like from Josh Freeman on. So don't count McNabb, don't count Manning. That's probably too far in the in the nineties. But everybody in the two thousands. Okay, uh, in the two thousands specifically. Well, l- l- well, two thousand to now, two thousand uh, and on. Okay, you had Goff. He had uh, uh, McVay and Lafleur. Okay. Uh, you had Nick Foles in 2012 and 2013 had Chip Kelly and Pat Schumer come in as new coaching change. So they had a new coaching change from the first year to the second year. Correct. Right. Okay. So that's two. Uh, Josh Freeman, no head coach, uh, uh, same head coach in first two years. I think that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else since, uh, 2000? Carson Wentz, no change there. In okay. 2016 to 2017, Blake Bortles had a coaching had an OC change of Greg Olson. Okay. Uh, and the only other one is Trevor Lawrence, and obviously had a overhaul with Peterson and and, and Press Taylor at OC. So, so of so the mo- six modern of- ones, four of them had a coaching either coordinator or co- or head coaching change. Right. Right. 
So the two exceptions are, you said Wentz and Bortles? Right. And both those guys ended up being not sustainable, right? Yeah, right. And either of them, you know, ended up having that that great career. So And they had had, both of them really had uh well, I mean Wentz Wentz had went from a five point oh nine to seven point four three. In the case of Josh Freeman, he couldn't help but get better. Three point six nine, but he did go to six point nine four. What about Bortles since he didn't have the uh to Uh, 6.09. 6.09. So even his jump made him just, because look, if you don't, if you don't have an adjusted net yards per per passing attempt number of at least 6.5, you're, 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 you damn sure better have a good defense. You know, to me, the, the, the standard to even compete is 6.5. Uh, all right. So you had golf jump over that at 7.72. A lot of people are shutting off the podcast. I know right now, but, but I, I don't care. This is to me. This is very important. Uh, Bowles jumped to nine point one eight. Uh, Freeman just bare. Did 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 Tampa Bay make the playoffs in two thousand ten? I can look. I don't have that knowledge offhand, but I can uh, check it out. Yeah, I was going to ask you too about how many of those guys went over six point five, just to see how many of them actually hit the number that you're you're looking for, because you've increased from. You know, one to three, that's fine. You're probably still not going anywhere as a team. Uh, no, they went They went 10 and six, but finished third uh, in the South and did not make the playoffs. Believe All right, but they didn't win. They won 10 games. That's, yeah, that's, they, that, that's pretty impressive with a second-year quarterback, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, most recent, uh, Wentz. What about Wentz in 2017? I feel like they did, but I can check. He had a 7.43 adjustment. Oh, yeah, that, went, that was Super Bowl. Uh, that was when okay. I wrote a full scheme. And yeah, about 13 and three that year. Uh, Blake did not make it to 6.5, uh, and Trevor Lawrence, obviously last year, uh, 6.66 and they made it in. Okay. So I, the takeaway from the study, just based off of that is the odds of Pickett getting to, to that kind of jump is not great. That's my I, interpretation of the, especially data. with the same OC. That's right? what I'm saying. Yeah. The combination of, you know, the guys that actually hit 6.5 or better and the guys that did it without a coaching change. The history says the odds are against him. Does that mean anything? Not really. I think Pickett's. Do you still think Pickett's going to hit this number? Because I feel like you're getting the feeling he will at least get to six point five. I. That's where I'm going with this. I think he can get to six point five, uh, even in spite of the data that says historically he will not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, you know. I'm not putting my not putting my house up on all like that though. But I think when you take away. Uh, when you look at that, once again, going back to the second half of last season, past, past the Saints game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, you, you, I mean, you've done the tape breakdown. You, you saw improvement in, 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 in Pickett in the second half of that season and in, in, in a few areas there. Uh, look, I mean, this is a, a boat that's trying to get out of the harbor with a, with a hell of an anchor on it, it, it quite possibly in Matt Canada there. But I mm-hmm. mean, you do have a second year receiver in 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 Pickens who should be better. You have uh I mean here's another thing. They gotta keep Calvin Austin the third healthy <laughs> uh because I think what he can add to that offense in different areas will help that offense do some of the things they want to do. Obviously, Allen Robinson uh in you know in the slot there. Uh but my takeaway from reading this study uh, from Scott and obviously watching the tape and 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 working with us with this uh, stat over the years as much as I do, 
it feels like he can at least get to 6.5. That's what I mean. To me, I think Canada be damned. That's that's a number that he should hit, be, to be quite honest with you. Well, I think he needs to hit it. The data is just saying he probably won't. But I'm with you. I think based off the second half of last year, based off a of picket in year two, based off this offense being in year two, the continuity, the talent. I mean, I, I'll have an article later this week, and, and this may be a little prisoner of the moment. You, you tell me if I'm crazy or not. I think the collection of skill guys, the wide receivers, the running backs at tight ends are as good as anything Pittsburgh has had since probably at least 2018. And I think this group may be even deeper than 2018 that had was more top heavy of AB, Juju, a healthy James Conner and Vance McDonald. Look, I mean, it's a talent. I mean, uh, uh, Fryermuth's an upgrade over uh, McDonald and, you know. Yeah, I think so. And then, uh, I mean, for, for I know sure. that you know, AB is AB and he takes it, takes that to another level. They don't right. have an AB like that now. But when you have the receivers of Pickens in year two, I think he's really made a jump forward. Deontay Johnson, no one talks about the camp Deontay's had. He's had a really good camp. Uh, Robinson, Austin, Frymuth, Washington, Connor Hayward, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. Like, when was the last time Pittsburgh had that kind of collection right. of skill guys? Right, right. And and here's the thing a lot of people when, when you talk about AB, man, and and I'm not I'm not discrediting crediting uh, uh Ben Roethlisberger at all because a lot of what he did led to this. AB, there were how many damn explosive plays did this team have uh with with A either Roethlisberger extending the play and getting the ball to AB and him running another 30 yards after it or uh in 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 structure, uh, then hitting a B and a B getting another thirty yards after sure. the catch. I mean that guy was a yak monster, you know. Uh, is what I'm getting. Then also we ran out of superlatives to describe some of the things that catches you know and and, and things that he did there. But yeah, I I think uh uh the the collectiveness is what you're going for here, right? I mean, and yeah, I, I would tend to agree, at least on paper, it looks like this is probably the best skill position since, since what, 2018. Yeah. I mean, let, let's just go through it really briefly here. You would say it's better than last year, just based on everybody being a year older and the addition of Robinson and Austin returning. Do you think it's a better group than last year? Oh yeah. Yeah. By far. I mean, get, get, you know, I, I think what Austin can help provide for this offense along with Allen Robinson being experienced. Yeah, uh, across, yeah, easily. Okay, so 2021, you had Deontay Johnson, rookie Najee Harris, rookie Pat Frymuth, uh, Chase Claypool in his second year, Raver McLeod, James Washington, uh, Benny Spice, oh, backup than running that. back. You would say it's better than oh, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. probably with you as well. 2020, I think there's an argument in 2020, but, but I still think it's better currently. Juju, Deontay, rookie Chase Claypool, who granted was very good that year, Eric Ebron, James Conner, James Washington, Benny Snell, you know, Jalen Samuels. That's kind of your collective at the top there. Uh, the thing, yeah, I mean, Juju did so much for you after the catch, you know? Yeah, although that year he was like a pure underneath guy. That was the beginning of him becoming tight end running back Juju Smith-Schuster. Right, right. But I think uh, this group's I, probably potentially to be better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. 2019 was a mess. I think we can all agree it's not, you know, Deontay's rookie year. Everybody was hurt. Tevin Jones is catching passes. There's no way this this group is worse than 2019. And then, yeah, 2018 is the group of top receivers. Juju, AB, both over 1,000 yards, 100 catches. James Conner, Vance McDonald, Ryan Switzer, Jesse James, Jalen Samuels, uh, James Washington, I think his rookie year. 
Yeah, the thing is, AB adds so much that it helps offset the rest, the rest of it. You know, right? That's why I said I think it's the best group since 2018. I think 2018 is still better because it had AB and Juju basically in their prime. But this group is probably deeper because once you got past the 2018 of Juju Brown, Connor went healthy, McDonald, it kind of really falls off from there. You know, your Switzer, Jesse James, James Washington as a rookie. I think this group can be much deeper. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. So, and yeah, look, all that. I, look, and me saying and and I us saying that, uh, look, I if he hits six point five or six point seven or even exceeds it, I I I think especially with uh, Matt Canada's offense quarter, I think that's a lot to be excited about. And once again, you can win if you have a quarterback that's consistently putting up on average a 6.5 adjusted net yards per passing attempt number or greater. Uh, and you have a, 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 a top 10 defense, you can win some games. So once again, this mm-hmm. goes back to, man, do you really need, you know, people see the stats, they see, oh man, 30 touchdown passes and, 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 you know, just nine interceptions on, you know, guys like Mahomes and all like that. There's other ways to win in the NFL. I mean, you you don't have to have your quarterback go, you know, throw 34 touchdowns in a season uh, to to win 10, 11, to, to get into the playoffs. You just, you know, you don't. So, I mean, when you look back to some of these over and under numbers and all like that, look, ideally you want him over that 18 and a half touchdown number for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I mean, even if it's just like 19 or 20 with, with, with Pickett. Uh, but as far as the passing yards and uh, go, what was that number? Like 3450 or 3550 or something like that. I mean, he could still be around that number or slightly over and you still win ball games. The, the, the key with him is a, if you get more explosive plays in the passing game, that will help. Uh, uh, quite obviously with the adjusted net yards for passing attempt number, same with not turning the football over, you know, th- throwing, mm. throwing, throwing interceptions. And then the touchdown passes. I mean, he's going to have to have his, his it's obviously going to have to offset whatever interceptions that he has to some degree. But I mean, if he only throws like, you know, four or five interceptions during the season, uh, you know, 20, 20 pass touchdown passes will easily offset that number. You know, yeah. and, and, will you only four, throw four or five? That probably feels pretty optimistic. Uh, I mean, four or five picks the whole season. Yeah, that, that I mean, that that feels optimistic. I would yeah. think your goal's around nine. You Keep know? it under 10. Yeah, if you can throw 20 and eight, you know, 20 touchdowns, eight picks, right. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I, once again, I, I think this is the number that if he can get to that 6.5, which would not be the 2.0 jump with Matt Canada's offensive coordinator. And, and if that defense plays like, like we think they should be able to play, then, then they're going to be in some games this year. But I, uh, once again, I would view this whole talk that we've had that we've probably lost half the listenership on. Look, we don't, we talk because Alex and I like to talk on these, <laughs> these things and we go down rabbit holes and things catch our attention that a lot of people don't talk about here. And it just affords you guys the opportunity to listen, listen to it. But I, I really think this was a topical situation. I think this is a huge measuring stick statistically when it comes to Kenny Pickett is can he hit that 6.7 number? I think he, I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say, I think he can hit 6.5. And if he does, I think they're going to win some ball games. If he hits 6.7, well then, I mean, I think that's quite impressive based on this research 
that there's only been 12 quarterbacks since 1960 to make a 2.0 jump in that stat. So let me just end the conversation this way. Do you think Pickett will be the 13th quarterback on that list after the 2023 season? Man, that's uh, you know, uh, point point two might not seem like all that much of, of, of a <laughs> difference there, but it is. Uh, I I'll, I'll answer and say I think he just misses. I think he's in that 6.5 to 6.6 range. So very similar to Lawrence last year. All right, write this number down. Right. Okay. Right. I'm going old, Sp- old country I'm going, song. Here. I'm going SpongeBob. Well, write this. Oh, down. oh, you're going SpongeBob. I went to. Yeah. I went to old uh, country song. Write this down. Who's that? Garth Brooks. I forget who sung sung that. Oh, anyway, man, you, go ahead. You, you listen. You're losing me here. Six point seven two. So you think he'll do it? I think he'll do it. I think. All right. Six point seven two. Let's. All right. You think that's no, his adjusted? No, you know, no yeah, no tape. Now, obviously, I, that's that's him having a large selection of games and not getting injured and sure. and, and 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 all like that. But uh, but write that down and see how close I I come to it uh, here. Now, obviously, look if he if he does not even hit six point five, you need to look at all the reasons why, and that includes sure. obviously offensive coordinator, uh, the tape, uh, were there injuries and all like that. Six point five, in my opinion, should be the minimum. Would you agree? I agree. I was going to just ask you as well, what number would he hit where you sit there and say Pittsburgh probably did not make the playoffs? I assume if he hit six point five, you would bet on Pittsburgh making the playoffs. If you if you just had that one number to determine Pittsburgh season, which is obviously a one number of many many that are tough to uh, encapsulate, but what what number does he basically have to hit for this team for you to feel like this team would make the playoffs? Well, once again, I'm measuring what I think the defense can be in this sure. uh, uh, on top of it here. But uh, if he hits 6.5, I'm not going to guarantee that they'll be in the playoffs, but they'll be right there on the right. Right, I'm just right, asking, right, right there on the line. I'm just now, asking what number do you think is going to be required to make you feel confident again if, if, all, if all i told you if you missed the entire 6.7 6.7 he's at the 6.7 he has an adjusted net yards mm-hmm. of, uh number of 6.7 they should be in the playoffs in my opinion based okay. on their schedule based on their defense uh based on everything of what we think that we know about this team right now i think if he hits 6.7 or greater that they'll, they'll, they'll be in the playoffs now, what do you think the minimum is for you to still feel that way? Is it 6.5? If I told you he was 6.38, do you feel nah, like Pittsburgh I, I, gets in the playoffs? I don't I don't think that's enough. Okay, so you think 6.5 is that cutoff if you had to put a number to yeah, it? Yeah, I think 6.5 puts him in the category where we're talking, all right, they're going into the final game of the season, you know, Okay. Uh, with, with a chance here. All right, we'll see. It was a good study, good discussion. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and once again, you can find this at uh, three three sixty five scores dot com and 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 shout out to uh, to to Scott there. So uh, good good follow on Twitter as well too. If you like all things stats and tape, and, and I think he's really at heart a Steelers fan. On top of it, there, George Strait. It was George Strait. Write uh, this down. You don't know that song? Are you from the South? Isn't that country? How do you not know George? Man, Strait? I was in. You know, my parents listened to you know the Statler. I mean, there were a lot of country growing up in my house. I mean, a lot of country. We, uh, yeah, but there was also a lot of Elvis and Credence Clearwater Revival okay. and, and 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 Tom Jones. My mom loved Tom Jones mm. and and I mean, there was a lot of country. Obviously, Ronnie Millsap, uh, uh, Charlie Rich, a lot, a lot of different musical influence in my house. But uh, Glenn Campbell. I mean, a lot, a lot of these names before okay. your time. Yeah, don't know any like of those that. names. 
Uh, I know but, George Strait. Uh, like a rhinestone cowboy. Ah. You've heard that. That's bum, nice. bum. Yeah, I know uh, that. Glenn Campbell uh, yeah. there. Uh, but uh, I, I, I mean, I was into rock and roll as quickly as I could as a, 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 at a young age. So I, I mean, I listen. There's some country out there, especially some of today's country that's okay. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of country overall. All right, Dave, I got to get the camp here in a little bit. Let's get to a couple quick reader emails if we have any and close out today's show. All right. Give us uh let us know what you think about today's show, the kind of the rabbit holes we went. Because, look, we do these uh, training camp wrap ups. and We don't like to repeat. In the past, we have repeated some of the stuff that we've done at night. And really, you know, why do that when we have another podcast? to it and there really isn't much going on you know we we covered the transactions and the injuries and to me you know this makes an interesting discussion so i'm really interested you know shoot me an email the terrible podcast at gmail.com it says my god dave get off the adjusted net yards for passing (laughs) attempt stat and quit you two quit uh uh, getting on Najee's case or the opposite man that 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 was really a fun conversation there l- l- let me know either way even if it's just you know an f you and an email or something like that uh, i enjoyed the conversation for whatever it's worth right. i had a good time uh i did too austin hackett writes and austin's the one that's been following all these running backs around the league here the jets running back room now one to monitor as well depth chart includes Brees hall dalvin cook michael carter he says Tomlin and Colbert were, were at his UNC Pro Day, I believe. Zanavian Knight and uh, uh, Banacanda, who's having a nice preseason so far, albeit he doesn't seem like a special teams guy. So Austin Hackett's really, really <laughs> in the market for for uh, for for the students to watch some of these running back rooms uh, uh, around the uh, NFL here. Oh, let's see here. Xavier Robinson writes in over the off season, you guys compared the Steelers to the Titans. And oh, I think we already hit this from three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. We hit this. So that, I think that was the only new email we had in there was from Austin from just the other day uh, here overall. So I, I think we got most of them wrapped up here, Alex. All right. We'll uh, come back later today, recap what happened at Wednesday's practice and then have one more on Thursday. Normal show on Friday. Team will have broken camp by then. So almost to the finish line of the week. And then, of course, the game on Saturday. So nonstop action here at Steelers Depot. Absolutely. And uh, once again, Alex and I'll be back later on this evening to recap everything that he observed during the Wednesday training camp practice. Uh, uh, So uh, looking forward to that 30, 35 minute discussion there. Uh, In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Gazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, steedersdepot.com. Hit that ad-free button up right navigational bar. So uh, until Wednesday night, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.